Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Nights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with another episode of Obsidian Nights podcast, where we reread a song of ice and fire chapter by chapter with a different guest each time. If you would like to be a guest on the Obsidian Nights podcast, all you need to do is hit up Nims Shadow at Nims Shadow on Instagram or Twitter, and she will set you up with a chapter and a record date. Um, but today we are covering Daenerys, four of A Game of Thrones, and I have with me a special guest, Vanessa Cole. Hey, Vanessa, would you like to um, tell everybody who you are and where they can find you? Sure. Hi, everyone. So excited to be here and talking about this chapter. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, you can definitely find me on Twitter at VK Cole Artist. Um, I also do some writing for Watchers on the Wall. We covered Game of Thrones. We'll be covering House of the Dragon um, as far as production goes and filming. And so we'll definitely be talking about that there as well as our podcast, The Night's Cast. And you have a separate podcast, don't you? Um, a Stephen King podcast? Yeah, we sure do. Um, so if you are a Stephen King fan, we have a podcast called Needful King, which I do with my friend Sam, who also writes for Watchers on the Wall and also does the Night's Cast with me. And uh, we talk about adaptations, books, kind of everything. So definitely come check us out over there if you are a fan of Stephen King. Yes, I vouch for Vanessa and I vouch for her art as well. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we were talking. And who, who was I streaming with? I think I was streaming with Justin. We were like, we got oh, yeah. <laughs> to get Vanessa to do a mushroom. Um, oh, yes. A mushroom um, artwork. I <laughs> am so actually funny. working on a, a House of the Dragon fire and blood themed piece right now. So that should be out soon. But yeah, mushroom is definitely on my list. Yes, mushroom. So in this chapter, we are in Daenerys's POV, which it seems like it's been a long time since we've been in Daenerys's head. Like, I don't know if it is, is it me or is Ga a Game of Thrones? We don't really hear from Daenerys that much. Like, it seems like we get a Daenerys chapter, then John, Arya, Eddard, 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 Catelyn, 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 Danny. All Starks all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's, I was like, ah. So this is refreshing for me because y'all know Daenerys is my girl. Mine too. Yes. <laughs> so um, the chapter opens up with Daenerys going through the horse gate of Vastor Thrak, um, which is these two gigantic bronze stallions and um it's it's pretty accurate to what they show in this in the series um but also she's going down a road called the god's way and the god's way is like so the dothraki when they plunder a city they take like the statues of their gods and they drag those gods back to vast dothrak and like just put them on display and I think that's a very interesting custom. Like I, I do too. And it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, the House of Black and White with all of the gods that are represented there as well. Yes. 
it is. It's I, know, I don't think the Dothraki hold them in quite as reverent, as much reverence as the faceless men do. But anyway, I just, I find it an interesting parallel. No, I think it's interesting too. I also think it's interesting, like the gods that are described <laughs> on the gods yes. way. Like I'm, I'm kind of, they don't sound like gods. Some of them sound absolutely horrific, like the explanations of them. And like they're sphinxes, I think. One mm-hmm. was a sphinx. And there's yes. like, I don't know. They're just very. My favorite very... is. <laughs> my favorite is the one Viserys goes to look at, which is the woman with six breasts and a ferret's head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. What kind of god is that? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's It just was so super weird to me. So. They're going through the gate, um, going walking through the Godway, and like Viserys. Let's let's talk about Viserys for a minute. Viserys is having let's. a hard time, <laughs> as he should. He's struggling out there. Like they are calling him, like they have different names for him. Like they all mock him. So his first name is the Sorefoot King, Call Ray Mar. Call Ray Mar, yes. the Sorefoot King, mm. <laughs> and then um, he has the Cart King, Call Raggets, the Cart. <laughs> yes. So Viserys has right. was like riding in a cart because he couldn't walk, and like the carts are for pregnant women and disabled people, eunuchs, cripples, very young or very old. So like Viserys thinks that you know he's having it easy but actually he's right. being mocked he's yes. being mocked and he's so i love that that he doesn't know it <laughs> yeah. he doesn't care to try to learn anything about dothraki customs at all it just makes it even funnier and that's a big that's a huge difference between viserys and daenerys like daenerys accepts their culture tries to learn it tries to learn the language changes the way she dresses change it like she tries to adapt and yes. he doesn't and that's and why we, she lives and he dies <laughs> for sure and and she continues to do that throughout her story through all five books is she definitely changes and adapts to the cultures that she's part of um to try and assimilate and um be more understanding i think of yeah. the way that they do things and so that they will also accept her of course and she does it smart yeah it is very smart but she does it, I don't think she does it out of, like, political planning. Like, right. I, don't, I don't think she does it out of, if I do this, I will win them over. Like, she does it because she genuinely feels it's the right thing to do. Because in Marine, she does it at peril to her own self. Like, mm-hmm. it goes against everything she believes in, every, but she does right. it because it's the right thing for her to do. For sure. She wants to protect her people, the ones that she has freed, and she doesn't want them to fall into the same fate as Astapor, obviously. Um, I definitely think in the case of the Dothraki, it's pretty much survival for her at first. And then yes. I think she does grow to genuinely care and you know appreciate what she's learned about them. Um, and I think that is very, very admir- admirable. Very. I agree 100%. So... And another thing about Daenerys and Viserys, 
so Viserys is being mocked and everything. But Daenerys, like, feels bad for him. Like, she she feels bad because she, like, seduces Drogo into, like, letting Viserys rejoin them at, at the head of the cot. Like, she uses all her bedroom and pillow tricks. And this chapter, it shows a lot of her compassion for her brother, who is her abuser. Like, let's not get it confused because I know Game of Thrones tried to explain like it's foreshadowing that Daenerys didn't blink when uh, Viserys yes. died but <laughs> Viserys <sighs> is her abuser and sure. right, even in this chapter she is still trying trying to help him she is trying to guide him he just outright refuses that help for sure. And she gives him so many chances um, because, you know, he's her only family left and she loves him despite all of the horrible things he's put her through. But, you know, what I also appreciate is that she is now at a point where she will not allow him to push her around anymore. She finally stood up for herself last chapter um, and she does continue to do so even as she's trying to kind of get him back in the good graces of the Kalasar. Um, mm-hmm. But she does let him get a little bit of punishment, which I appreciate. Um, he, you know, he definitely deserved it. He, uh, he doesn't learn a lesson from it at all, which is unfortunate. But I, what blows my mind is people who say that she didn't care and she was just cold and you could see like the kind of monster she was becoming by the way she reacted to his death and i'm like what are, are you rewriting reading the same books because she gives him so many chances so and she tries chances. so hard to save him um and it's you know he is the instrument of his own destruction so he, i i don't think you can put any blame on her whatsoever no i don't think and i think like when you start saying like she should feel it she does grieve him she does grieve Viserys especially in the at the end of dance when when she sees him in like that little berry quest that she goes on um when she like sees the vision (laughs) of him and even in that chapter when they kill him like she's like come do you want my dragon eggs like come sit down by me like just just chill the fuck out is basically what she's saying and he's just is threatening to cut her fucking baby from her womb so no i don't blame her for not like ripping her clothes off and falling all over the place right <laughs> i don't blame her at all i don't either and i think not it's asinine to say that's foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> that's foreshadowing uh, i agree 100 percent. so viserys actually calls those gods the trash of dead cities and he really mocks the dothraki like he was careful to speak in the common tongue, which few Dothraki could understand. Yet even so, Danny found herself glancing back at the men of her cause to make certain he had not been overheard. He went on blithe. All these savages know how to do is steal the things better men have built and kill, he laughed. They do know how to kill. Otherwise, I'd have no use for them. They are my people now, Danny said. You should not call them savages, brother. The dragon speaks as he likes, Viserys said in the common tongue. He glanced over his shoulder at Agu and Ricaro riding behind them and favored them with a mocking smile. See, the savages lack the wit to understand the speech of civilized men. Now, I never thought about this before, but the scenario where Viserys is like mocking the Dothraki with Danny, like 
talking to Danny, mocking the Dothraki and the Dothraki don't understand him. I kind of relate that to the, to Krasnus. Yes. <laughs> I was just <laughs> thinking that as you were reading that. Yes. When she's like, when she doesn't, when she, he doesn't think she understands the language and then she pops off on him because she's mm-hmm. understood every fucking thing he said. Like, Absolutely. I, I feel <laughs> like that is some kind of callback to this moment. Like, that was some kind of callback. I wonder if, like, she saw, if she felt like, uh, this is, he's a Viserys. Right. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I think that is probably a specific callback from George as he's writing, because I, I feel like there are very few things that are coincidence in his book. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. And um, I think that is definitely an echo of this scene with Viserys. An- another thing I want to talk about is Viserys wanting his army. He wants his army. He's tired of waiting. He's getting impatient. And, um, Jorah like explains to him the process like how this goes like um Daenerys has to be presented to the Doge Kaleen and there's gonna be like you know a ceremony and some prophecy for her baby and it's like the Viserys doesn't understand how Dothraki customs work like he doesn't get it. He doesn't know that um Drogo will give him an army when Drogo damn well feels like giving him an army. Right. <laughs> like And it's you know, it's funny. He there I I find it funny that he actually thinks that he could conquer the seven kingdoms with ten thousand Dothraki. Yes. Like are what are you on crack? <laughs> yes. There's no way. You know, even <laughs> someone stronger than him that's just not enough there's no way you could do that i just i find it hilarious yeah i mean daenerys couldn't even do it with like no one could no one could it's not possible yeah and like maybe if if they were especially at this point in the books because they're not kind of falling apart like they start to it during the war of the five kings it's still pretty strong underneath robert and he would have completely crushed him if yeah he tried. so danny asked jorah viserys says he could sweep the seven kingdoms with ten thousand dothraki screamers <laughs> sir jorah snorted viserys could not sweep a stable with ten thousand <laughs> one of my <laughs> favorite quotes <laughs> yes so funny and then D- Danny asked, well, what if it were not Viserys? And I feel like that's, you know, that's part of, like, she's starting to think, like, what if it's her? Mm-hmm. What if it's me? What if it's, what if it's me? So he basically says, like, you know, the Dothraki wouldn't stand a chance in Westeros because that would mean the Westeros, he would have to come out and meet the Dothraki in right open field and the dothraki are it's jorah says they are better riders than any knight utterly fearless and their bows outrange ours in the seven kingdoms most archers fight on foot from behind a shield wall or a barricade or sharpened stakes the dothraki fire from horseback charging or retreating it makes no matter they are full as deadly and there are so many of them your lord husband alone counts forty thousand mounted warriors in his kalisar and then he talks about Rhaegar bringing that many men to the trident and kind of still losing. 
Um, <laughs> I, what I think though, it's funny when he says, you know, he brought that many men and you know, what do you, how do you think a, a rabble would stand against the charge of 40,000 screamers? I think in the case of Rhaegar though, things were starting to fall apart. I mean, mm-hmm. there were already, there was already divided loyalty between him and Eris at this point, And Robert had already won, you know, several battles and he had kind of like the moral side um, under him because of all of the atrocities that Eris had committed at this point. So I feel like if you had 40,000 Dothraki invading the Seven Kingdoms under Robert, then everyone would flock to his side because, you know, we've got to defend our home. So I, I still don't think they would have a chance at all. Nope. Um, even in an open field, um, they might win a few battles, but, you know, and he goes on to talk about how um, if he's smart, they'll, they'll stay in their castles and there's just no way they could besiege, you know, fortified castles. Right. They don't have the patience for it. <laughs> no, for yeah. sure. And he tells her about Robert should have been born Dothraki. Right. <laughs> Robert Baratheon should have been born Dothraki. Um, he would be a good one, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that life would suit him. Like he's, he's not a coward. Um, he's, uh, Jorah says he's strong and brave and rash enough to meet the Dothraki in the open field, but the men around him play a different tune, and that's true. Tywin Lannister yes. and Ned Stark. Um, and I find it interesting that he didn't mention John Aaron, so I wonder if Jorah knows that John Aaron is dead. I can't remember him ever saying that he knew, but I wonder if Varys like, informed him. Yeah, I'm sure he did. And that yeah. now ned stark is hand jorah basically confesses that he hates ned stark (laughs) (laughs) shocking (laughs) right because because jorah captured some poachers and sold them to slavers which is illegal and ned stark has a warrant for him yes so they get to the city based off threat and they go to the western market Daenerys is describing, you know, like the landscape, how different like the buildings are. And Jorah tells Danny, you know, like these are all built by slaves in the fa- like in the fashion that they're familiar with. So if you have like just for example, if you have a, like an Egyptian slave, you might get Egyptian built buildings or if you have a greek slave you might get a greek built building like whatever so that's why all the buildings look different and i think that's interesting i it's one of the things that i love the most about a song of ice and fire is how historically influenced it is Mm -hmm. and how realistic it seems for sure especially with the dothraki yeah i think it's a really interesting it paints an, an interesting picture when you're thinking about just all of these different cultures coming together to create this sprawling city and kind of in the middle of nowhere. I think it just, uh, I, the, way, the way I just pictured it in my head, it just seems really, really cool. Yes. So he also says, so this is the, the, the um, Vestothrak is a sacred city and the only people that permanently live there is the Doge Kaleen, their slaves, and their servants. So the idea of the Doge Kaleen is really, I hate it. Yes. <laughs> I hate it. Like, so if a call dies, the widows have to come 
and they become right. Doge Colleen. Yes. And I, I, I agree. I don't, I'm not a fan of this idea, but I suppose it's better than just killing the widows. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you know, or, yeah. or like letting them just, you know, putting them into exile and probably dying of starvation or dehydration as they're wandering through the, why, why can't the Threcky Sea or the Red Waste or whatever Why alone. can't they just be a part of the Kalasar? Why do they have right. to yeah. go I, and I mean, like... Yeah, I don't know. Um, you would think. But I guess if it's a, if it's a rival Kalasar, you don't want them fomenting True. opposition to you. Perhaps, and, and, you know, trying to get revenge for their fallen husbands. So I guess I kind of understand it. And I mean, the one thing I'll say is they do seem to be revered and respected. So, I mean, there are, there could be worse, a worse fate in store than going there. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I wouldn't I, choose it, but yeah, yeah. there are worse things that could have happened. There, that is true. There, it could be worse. I do think that Daenerys' story is going back to Vestothrak in the books. Um, I know we see it in the show where she goes and she burns all the calls. And I think that is her second fire that is prophesized in the um, House of the Undying. I think she sees a glimpse of it. Like she sees the crones all bowing down before her. And so I do think that that was something from George R. R. Martin. It's not been confirmed, but I really think that that's going to be... I feel like Vastothrak was built up so much that to not go back there would be a travesty. Yeah, yeah and I feel like it's definitely foreshadowed in this chapter, um, especially when it says, you know, it's large enough to house every man of every Kalasar should all the calls return to the mother at once. The crones have prophesied that one day that will come to pass, and so Vastothrak must be ready to embrace all its children. So they feel like that has to happen. And the stallion who mounts the world will be there. Yes. Danny and yep. Droga. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So um, they can't carry a blade in Vastothrak. Um, they can't shed a free man's blood in Vastothrak. And um, if two different colossars come there and they don't like each other, like they put aside their beefs, they, they drink and eat together, and that's it. It, when when they're in the sight of the mother of the mountains, they act like they got some sense when they're in the right. sacred city. <laughs> yes. Like they're all under a banner of truce at that point. <laughs> yes. So she wishes that her father had blood riders. Um, and he, Jorah, I think Jorah explains to her like the ancient traditions of horse lords um, that when the call died, his blood riders died with him to ride at his side in the nightlands. If the call died at the hands of some enemy, they lived only long enough to avenge him and then followed him joyfully into the grave. And this is why I had so much fucking beef <laughs> with season eight. Season eight. <laughs> like, D&D kind of forgot about this. <laughs> what the hell? The Drogon just hides her body and the dark right. just go away like nothing ever happened. Oh, no big deal. It's fine. Like, we'll just, just let him go. They just killed our call. Like right. they just killed our call. Like yeah. no one no one cares. We don't care. Right. And it, well the fact that they were even there were even enough of them alive at that point was surprising enough. 
Yeah. <laughs> After they all supposedly got killed during a long night, but then they just respawned and showed back up. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, they surely did respawn. They had all kinds oh, of extra yeah. lives. Like, it was yes. crazy. It was really crazy. <laughs> so, Jora tells Daenerys about the Kingsguard, um, about them being noble and valiant and true, and yet King Aerys had been murdered by one of them, the handsome boy they now called the Kingslayer. And the second, Barristan the Bold, had gone over to the Usurper. She wondered if all men were as false in the Seven Kingdoms. When her son set the Iron Throne, she would see that he had blood riders of his own to protect him against treachery in his King's Guard. Uh, so I wanted to talk about Barristan for a second how do you feel about barrison because i actually i like him um mm-hmm. i think he's loyal to daenerys and i think he's gonna stay loyal to daenerys um i like him i do i don't think he is as principled as he feels like he is or like he wants mm-hmm. to be i feel like he kind of just goes whichever the way the wind blows it's more of like self-preservation and even though he tells himself like oh well now now i'm gonna do the right thing i still have questions about that (laughs) if he really will finally stand for something or Mm -hmm. if he will so you know brendan beefish has a theory that he will betray daenerys and he's kind of winning me over to that idea as much as i hate it (laughs) i Um, i hate that i I just i feel like in order for barrison salmi like for barrison salmi to betray daenerys daenerys is gonna have to do something super fucking awful and i don't see him i don't see barrison believing that fagon is fagon Mm -hmm. so so like who is he gonna support is he gonna support john he, yeah. for, for her to betray for him to betray her it's going to be ha- have to be at the support of someone else right yeah which i don't know i think the betrayer is definitely going to be um Tyrion. i definitely think he's yeah. going to betray her i 100 percent. yeah i can definitely see that I, and I, d- he's not going to be the whitewashed person we saw. Oh, no. At all. I can see him definitely egging her on to do some horrible, some shit. pretty terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then washing his hands of like, oh, I didn't, it's not I my fault. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, so frustrating. <laughs> so, um, Daenerys says that she will give her brother his gifts tonight. Um, so she's like, made him or got him made well first she's gonna have she's gonna have him for dinner um and she's made him like uh a tunic and sandals bronze medallion belt a leather vest uh and she got the vest painted with fire breathing dragons and she's like you know the the dothraki will respect him more and like that's what she wants for him like she wants him to look less of a beggar and a cart king and a sorefoot king and all those things and she doesn't want him shamed Mm -hmm. and I mean, I feel like no matter how nicely he's dressed, his attitude is what makes him not be respected. So yeah. it might help a little bit, but yeah, he he would definitely have to change a lot more than his clothes to gain any kind of respect. 
and he she also wants him to forgive her for shaming him yeah um, that's and that blows my mind because you know we finally see her stand up for herself and now she feels bad about it which i i can understand you know i've been in situations where i have dealt with men who i had respect for and you wanted to gain the approval of but there were definitely times where I had to stand up for myself and then I would feel bad about it. And then I'm like, but why I shouldn't feel bad about it. Like if something, if you're wronged in some way, then you need to put your foot down and make it known that it is not okay. Yeah. But it's very common for someone that has experienced abuse to seek approval of their abuser. Absolutely. Especially when it's, it's her only family her brother it's all that she has and she says it like he's still her king after all and her brother and they're both blood of the dragon and they're they're all each other has and i feel like it's a very human for her to want to do that because i've done that like Mm -hmm. and regret it regret doing it to this day yeah Yeah, i think a lot of us i think a lot of us can really relate to this yeah that's why i'm so protective of her me too (laughs) i will fight over her like i will literally go to blows over daenerys because i just feel that i can just relate to her on so many levels and i feel like she gets i feel like she gets a like the bad end of the stick all the time because she has dragons right and it's like and she's Uh, a woman (laughs) and she's a woman yes she's a woman and not only is she a woman but she has the most she's a woman and she has the most powerful weapon on the board and most men think that that should belong to them right they want dragons can't have them she's got them but (laughs) oh people will be they'll be trying to take them though (laughs) oh yes oh yes so viserys fucking psycho he comes there and he's like dragging Doria <laughs> and like he's hit her and beat her. And he's like, how dare you send this whore to give me commands? Like, how dare you command the blood of the dragon? And she's trying to like tell him to calm down, like calm down. Like, the, like the, this is for you. I got this for you. Look at these. These are for you. Like she's trying to calm him down like a child. Like, he's acting like a mm-hmm. child. Yes. He's trying to, like, coddle him. Well, and it, it's funny, because, you know, he says, oh, she, Doria says, I, I told him you commanded him to join you for supper. And he says, no one commands the dragon. I am your king. And I totally thought about Joffrey saying, I am the king. And then Tywin saying, any man who must say I am the king is no, no true king. king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Viserys reminds me, when we actually are going back and looking at the things he says and the things he does he is very much joffrey-esque yes he is he's joffrey (laughs) (laughs) 1.0 yes and she like didn't danny bless her heart she begs him like he looks at the shit and he's like dothraki rags and she's like please you'll be cooler and more comfortable and i thought maybe if you dress like them the dothraki and viserys just kind of snaps he's like next you'll want to braid my hair and danny's like bitch please like i would never come back i love that (laughs) i never and then she's like asking herself you know why is he always so mean like 
like she only wants to help him and then he's like she says you have no right to a braid you have won no victories yet and that woke the dragon (laughs) right and it's it's funny because she's she's not even meaning it to um be malicious she's not trying to be yeah she's not trying to be rude she's just trying to like state a fact of life because you know obviously he does not pay attention to dothraki customs and he, he's very ignorant of their ways and he, this is one that he probably does know but she's just trying to like educate him and he's like what how mm-hmm. dare you <laughs> yeah i mean he's fucking awful like he okay he says you forget yourself, slut. Do you think that big belly will protect you if you wake the dragon? And he digs his fingers into her arm. For an instant, Danny felt like a child again, quailing in the face of his rage. She reached out with her other hand and grabbed the first thing she touched, the belt she'd hoped to give him, a heavy chain of ornate bronze medallions. She swung it with all her strength. It caught him full in the face. <laughs> I'm like, yes, Danny. Yes. yes. Like the when he grabs her and she feels like that scared little girl again and she just reaches up and smacks the shit out of him with that medallion like the strength that it takes the strength that it takes to do and she's pregnant she's pregnant yeah and i think that's i think her being pregnant is like the one thing that's might be spurring her to do this because hey you know if you're you're not just threatening me you're threatening threatening my child and so mama bear comes out and she just like heaves it at him and i'm like clapping at this point like yes finally (laughs) he so deserves this yes so basically she busted him in the face he's bleeding and shit supper's ruined the dinner's ruined danny isn't hungry she's like y'all eat the food send some to jorah but um please bring me one of the dragon eggs and they actually bring her um the green egg that Mm -hmm. which is ragal you know later um and she gets on her side and she like puts the egg in the hollow between her belly and her breast. And there's this quote. They were so beautiful and sometimes just being close to them made her feel stronger, braver, as if somehow she were drawing strength from the stone dragons locked inside. Now, the Azor High prophecy says something about waking dragons from stone. And I've always, like, thought about, like, how many times her her stone her dragon eggs are referenced as stones or stone dragons Mm -hmm. um and she says like she's lying there and she's holding the egg and she felt her baby move um and it's like she said it felt like like the dragon and the baby were reaching towards each other like brother to brother blood to blood you are the dragon danny whispered to him the true dragon i know it i know it and she smiled and went to sleep dreaming of home yeah. And some something that popped into my head as I was reading this is, you know, she takes the green one, Rhaegal, and, you know, if the books are similar to the show, we see John riding Rhaegal, so Rhaegal ends up being his dragon, although they don't really play that up much. He rides the thing once or twice. Oh my god. it twice and then that's it. But anyway. That shit makes my blood boil. <laughs> exactly. But I feel like, okay, so if Rhaegal's kind of like representing John here, I feel like maybe this is another clue that John is a Targaryen because talking about the child reaching out as if he was reaching out brother to brother, blood to blood. Yeah. Like he's reaching out to 
John through like his stand-in dragon of Rhaegal, which I think is interesting. And I, I do find it kind of funny that she picks the green one to kind of cuddle up with. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she does it like different times with all of them. But I do right. think it's interesting that it's the green one and the brother, the brother, blood to blood. And I do think that if John is going to ride a dragon, it will be Rhaegal, the yeah. one, the one named after Rhaegar. But I also think that when she whispers to the baby, you are the dragon, the true dragon. I know it. I know it. I feel I, like yeah the baby was born with a dragon's tail <laughs> yes and then three real dragons came into the world and i find it also like she goes to sleep like the chapter ends with her going to sleep dreaming of home and it will be these dragons that eventually take, her, take home. her there yes Agreed. so it's a it's a packed chapter i love it the is. way it ends mm -hmm. with her dreaming of home because i've always said like in all of my defense of daenerys is, is that danny is not obsessed with the iron throne she is obsessed with the idea of home and the idea of being safe yes. because even when she's in marine she has the means to go home but she will not leave the people to be enslaved again Right. And, and she also wants love and she wants family. And I, like I said, I think it's interesting that she chooses Rhaegal when she is feeling very sad and alone because her one remaining family member is treating her so horribly and they're, you know, experiencing kind of this divide between them now because he refuses to assimilate into her new family and mm -hmm. so they're growing even further apart and then she chooses this green egg representing Rhaegal which kind of represents John and so it, we think that they you know they are going to meet and probably fall in love um you know, you know might fall along the lines of the show which makes me also very sad to think you know if we get any kind of similar ending which I hope it's different but uh, it's just very frustrating it, to think that like, this I'm would happen point. i'm at <laughs> the know? point that it has to be different because it doesn't make any fucking sense so like even if the broad like if everything happens the same daenerys burns king's landing john kills daenerys i will be fine with it if it makes sense yes it has to make i don't know sense. that i'll be fine with it but I can accept it if it I I like it. When me and Alicia talked about it, and she talked about Daenerys. Oh, sorry. When me and Alicia talked about it, and she talked about Daenerys doing, like, a sacrificial thing. Mm -hmm. I can get on board with that. Because I see her as a very selfless person. I see her as someone that would go out to save everyone. And the show made her the opposite of that. The show made it, like, so desperate for power. I'm going to kill everybody. I don't care. And, like, she had already won the battle, so, like, it didn't... She didn't need right. to do it. Like, it, it didn't make sense. So I'm at the point where, like, I know it has to be different. And I feel like there's no way it can be the same because there's so many characters that will be super impactful, like Aegon. Like, there's a whole other right. faction. We have Aegon, and then we have... Um, John Cunnington and and the Martells like there's a lot of 
pieces on them and the great Euron Greyjoy because that show Euron Greyjoy was is not <laughs> Euron Greyjoy. <laughs> no, absolutely so not. There's a lot of things that are going to be thinking in a song of ice and fire mm-hmm. that weren't thinking on game of thrones <laughs> so yeah yeah it has to be different but I, I think so too i mean one thing that i'm thinking is like the long night in the books has got to be longer and more devastating and oh. impacts much more of the continent than what we saw in the show and so like who's she gonna go after anyway after because everything's gonna be devastated why would she want to go after anyone and be yeah. like, oh, I've got to destroy all of this to liberate people from Winterfell and like all these other places she names. And so I don't know. Yeah, Winds of Winter is going to be awful. <laughs> like, Winds is going to be awful. Yes. Like, and I can't wait for it, honestly. Yeah. I, I can't. I cannot wait for it. <laughs> I know. I just, I want to see something much more elaborate and rational and well written and making <laughs> sense yes, exactly, <laughs> make exactly. Sense-y. Yeah. but yeah this was Daenerys for did you have anything that you wanted to add um not really just um like I said I love her her sympathy for her brother even as horrible as he is to her and that you know she I think it's so clear through all her her chapters how focused she is on home and family and being loved um you know you know she does some questionable things uh, mm-hmm. along the way but anyone who thinks that her primary motivation is power and conquering Westeros I just don't think they're understanding her chapters at all no they're not like even when we talk about her trying to still help Viserys even though he's awful to her it's because of course he's her he's her abuser and it's a very human emotion but it's also because Daenerys is one of the most empathetic characters in this story so while he's done hurtful things to her she still has empathy for him and I feel like that's a good quality in a leader in a ruler that you can be stern and you can have boundaries, but you still have empathy for your people. Definitely. And I feel like that's a good quality that she shows. And she's just badass. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> just love her. Love her. Love her pieces. <laughs> but that is Daenerys 4. If you would like to um, be on an episode of Obsidian Nights, hit up Nim's Shadow. If you're listening to this in podcast format, please leave me a review and let me know how I'm doing. And Vanessa, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And I will leave all of Vanessa's links in the description box. And I will see you guys next week.